that's a growler. Happy Friday, everyone, and welcome back to the NeverEnding Minute, where we analyze, scrutinize, and how is there air in the skies? <laughs> the movie, The NeverEnding Story. I'm Thomas Howitt. Asking the real questions. I'm <laughs> Tierney Steele. Hey, everybody. This is Brad from the Cosmic Geppetto Podcast. Real happy to be here for this Friday. It's been a r- very fun week. Uh, this is this is a, a weird minute. Because uh, there's not a whole lot to talk about. There's a little bit, but not a whole lot. It's sort of like this week of minutes has been the whole week has been us touring this beautiful mansion, and now we're ending the tour in the unfinished basement. <laughs> I will say that this is the second time in this movie, and I told you yesterday that we're going to have a lot of returns, or I'm sorry, Wednesday, that we're going to have a lot of returns. This is the return of the hero shot for the Ivory Tower. And it's on Friday again with music, just like last time. It's also the return of Atreyu's weird accent. (laughs) Thank you. What the heck was that about? We have no idea. He had apparently only seen Carrie Fisher acting with Peter Cushing and just went with it. Yes, he affects this accent occasionally, and... We have no idea why. No idea why. (laughs) Sorry, I should mention really quickly that we're talking about Minute 79. (laughs) Give us our uh, breakdown real quick before we get into too much. It starts with glorious synth music as Velcor and Atreyu fly toward the ivory tower. And I'm giving a two-four on this ends with. It ends with a close-up of the Magnolia at the top of the ivory tower slash Bastion reading with a blanket over his head. (laughs) <laughs> Technically, well it flashes to Bastion, but yeah. it's it's really quick. I mean, this is mostly Ivory Tower hero shot at the end. Yeah. They spot the Ivory Tower. It's triumphant. Its music is going. Atreyu's got a weird accent, but that's okay because we're so excited. And we cut back to Bastion. He's so excited. He takes a bite of the apple. I told you this is the return week. We have the return of the apple. (laughs) The apple, which has been sitting, already bitten into, in this disgusting, dusty attic all day long. I thought it had been stolen by Ascot Rat. I thought this apple was gone. Ew! (laughs) He, he, He does at least have the wherewithal to bite the other side of the apple. Ew! Tierney, I, I, I gotta tell you, kids are gross. <laughs> <laughs> and I love my kids. You'll oh. find out. <laughs> You're gonna find out soon enough. Kids are, and it takes a while for them to stop being gross. <laughs> my younger son, Logan, he's five. I had to go into the bathroom, and he just starts like smacking the urinal, like the inside part, the part that people pee in. I'm like, what are you doing? We now have to chop off your hand. <laughs> And he's like, can I have a cookie first? And you're like, no! <laughs> I'm just like, keep your hand above your head. Keep it. Keep keep your hand out of your mouth. Take your hand out of your mouth. <laughs> I, I have to say, some of my favorite commercials, feel free to sponsor us, uh, the Clorox bleak commercials with the kids are mm. so great. 
when she yells, she, she, oh, and the mom is like, oh, don't wipe your nose on your sleeve. And as she's getting up the tissues, he wipes his nose on the stranger's sleeve. Yeah. Brad, <laughs> and, think of that scenario. Your first instinct is to grab their hand and take them to the sink. But then you're like, no, I don't want to grab their hand. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Sorry, people who don't have kids, because this is going to freak you out. My oldest, Chase, he was on the potty. Didn't bother closing the door because, you know, hey, everyone's got to see this happen. <laughs> Hops off, starts to walk out of the bathroom. I just stop. He's like, hey, uh, Chase, you got you to gotta, you gotta clean up. You got to wipe your butt. He shrugs, turns around, grabs the toilet paper off the roll, but doesn't break it off. One wipe <gasps> of his butt, drops it, and walks back in. I was like, oh, dear God in heaven, does he do that all the time? <laughs> My daughter's at the weird stage right now where occasionally she wants me to wipe her. She's three. And occasionally she's like, Daddy, come wipe. And then other times she's like, no, get out of the bathroom, go away, shut the door. <laughs> but she also went through this weird phase where she would lean back when she was going to the bathroom. And it would, <laughs> Why should boys have all the fun of making a mess in here? <laughs> yes, and it would go all over her pants or her underwear that she had around her ankles. I'm like, no, gosh, no. That's not how you do Into this. the toilet. Into the toilet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not only will he not lift up the lid, but sometimes he won't take the little donut you put on so the little ones don't fall into the toilet. <laughs> mm-hmm. We'll remove that, and I'll try peeing in there. I'm like, you know, buddy, you don't... uh. You don't have exactly pinpoint accuracy here, so I think you should give yourself as large a target as humanly possible. Listen, oh, Robin goodness. Hood. <laughs> He's not exactly William Tell. <laughs> Kids are disgusting, but I just was like, I thought we were done with the food. I don't know how I had forgotten that this was coming. It's not like I've never seen this movie before, but... Yeah, because I thought we had seen the attic and decided that there was no food in there anymore. It was gone! At one point, I swear. <laughs> and then even after that, so his solution is to like cross his arms, put his chin on his arms, and then chew. Like that is the most uncomfortable thing you could possibly do. Well, I remember doing that oh. as a kid occasionally, where you're seeing if your jaw is strong enough to lift and chew with each bite as you rest your head on your your arm. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I can do. A nyah, nyah, nyah. Is it a boy thing? I don't remember ever wondering that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you like put the full weight of your head and you see if you could still manage to chew. I usually did it when I had like gum in my mouth and I was reading or something, but he's choosing to use an apple. So go for it, Bastion. That's all you. All right. I stand corrected. Apparently, this is totally normal. <laughs> Speaking of the return of things, we're back to Worm Falcor. We're back to happiness. Yeah, I'm just talking about the actual Falcor that goes across the screen that looks like... Yeah. The effect is almost the same as, Brad, I'm probably calling out something you would remember rather well. Wrath of Khan, the little worm that goes into oh, the ear. Oh, gosh, yeah. That's what this little worm going across the screen makes me think of. Yeah, Hey, folks, Star Trek II Wrath of Khan was a creepy movie. <laughs> <laughs> and you don't think of Star Trek really being creepy? That movie was creepy. Definitely. Anyway, so speaking of old movies, Brad, what was your, do you remember your fir- your first interaction with Never Any Story? What's your Never Any Story story? <laughs> this is actually pretty good, I think. I had a friend in elementary school, Justin, who absolutely loved Never Ending Story, and he, he was obsessing about this movie. And I stayed over at his house one night, and he was just talking about it. He didn't have a VCR or anything. 
So my first introduction is he had like the movie on tape. And, and I don't know where he got it or what it was, if he just recorded it on tape when it was on TV or how he got it, but he just like played it. So we were listening to it. And this is a really visual movie. Yeah. Yeah. Falcor doesn't really work. And it and again, it it wasn't like a book on tape, I don't believe. It's just the audio. Yeah. <laughs> so there's no warm voice giving like uh, an intricate description of what Falcor looks like. It's just like another little kid saying he's like, He looks like a dog. He looks like a dog. He flies. He's like I don't understand what the heck you're talking about. So perhaps not the best introduction to it, but it was still Interesting enough, and the sound effects are so cool, and the music is good enough where I, mm. I got a bit of a sense of it. And also, the way kids are, where when you see your friend that excited about something, it can be really uh, infectious. And then right. I saw it, and I was like, this is pretty fantastic. <laughs> then you really got an understanding how fantastic it was watching the sequels and seeing how terrible it oh. could have been. <laughs> oh. Yes. Tierney, we have a lot to we have a lot to show you. Yeah. <laughs> she hasn't seen them at all yet. I've no. seen two but not three. I've read the book, so I know the plot and it's weird. My husband has seen the sequel but didn't remember if he'd seen the first one. So, oh, yeah, wow. That was an experience. It was just a movie that played on cable all the time when I was growing mm -hmm. up. It's really fun to watch it now and just some of the things you don't realize when you're a kid like, holy crap, this movie was directed by, you know, <laughs> Peterson. <laughs> this is a legit director who directed some Oscar caliber work and also was, a, again, we talked about it before, a very adult director. Wolfgang, uh, first off, you're, you're not going to be named Wolfgang and be like a, a, a kitty director. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. In the line of fire, Shattered, Outbreak, Air Force One, Perfect Storm. I mean, these were some really good, but really sort of challenging adult movies. And the fact that his big break came, you know, a couple of years before with Das Boot. Yeah. Dang. Yeah. No one has a gun with a silencer in this movie. <laughs> yeah. He's had a very strong and very career. And I think he took this movie on... As a personal challenge, he wanted to see if he could make a fantasy movie like this that would do well in Germany and in the U.S. That was kind of his goal, was to have a, a breakout hit in, in two countries. And that that followed, you know, shortly after Das Boot, like you said. And I think that's kind of what set him up to, to see if he could hit both audiences at once. And I, and I like that. I like when really good directors and really challenging directors sometimes try to dial it back and... Go for the hit movie. Yeah. Go for the crowd-pleasing film. And it doesn't always work. I mean, Kevin Smith tried that with Jersey Girl. And for a lot of reasons, that didn't catch on. But that was his attempt to like, do a crowd-pleasing film. Right. Yeah. I understand that it was not the hit that he wanted it to be and all that. I think Jersey Girl is very underrated. <laughs> just for the record. <laughs> I'm just throwing it out there. And I think that's one, that's one thing. When you have... Directors that have followings like Wolfgang Peterson or Kevin yeah. Smith, where yeah. where they have followings, those movies will hit with those followers regardless. They'll be able to see what that director was attempting to do, and it'll get love for those very reasons. I just, I thought George Carlin was great. I did not care at all about the relationships that were going on amongst that. I just wanted to watch him interact with his daughter and his father. Um, well, it, it, again, it, w it it failed for a lot of reasons. It was uh, the first time uh, America figured out they couldn't stand Ben Affleck for 10 years. <laughs> well, because 
everyone talked about the J-Lo thing. I'm like, she's in it for like two minutes, guys. Calm down. <laughs> yeah, it was... Yeah, there, there was a real cultural saturation point, yeah. and it ended up not being a successful movie. This is a kid's movie that made me feel like I was being treated like an adult as a kid. And I wonder how much of that had to do with the fact that it was Wolfgang Peterson directing it. As we've discovered, this is a very adult movie, even for kids. And it hits some adult topics that we've discussed and even had trouble with still. And it did that in a way that hopefully, you know, was on a level where a kid can get it and still have that depth. And again, it goes back to you could really see what this movie did right by seeing what the sequels did wrong. And I remember seeing the sequel with my dad. And my dad, uh, sort of a grumpy old man. He's been an old codger since probably his teens. (laughs) But kids' movies can win him over. Um, He loved Pete's Dragon. And uh, my whole family would watch the first one. But I remember watching the second, and there was just a scene where there's Bastion talking to the mystical beings of this world, and there's one woman who would sing talk, and it was so irritating. Characters who sing talk always suck. <laughs> and there's my dad just sitting there, he's like, "What the hell are we watching?" And it's like, "I don't know, Dad. I, I, I'm sorry. This should have been good." <laughs> like, and even my like, however old I was then, uh, knew my little preteen brain was like, "Oh, oh no, this sucks." <laughs> Um, you had mentioned that your friend had the audio tape that he probably recorded by the TV to, to get that drama. And I know that <laughs> I did that same thing with Labyrinth. Mm. Oh. Every song that was in the movie, I would record the songs because I wanted the soundtrack. So every time I'd come to one of the songs, I'd <laughs> record it on my tape so that I could have all the songs on one tape. Yeah, Labyrinth. That's a crazy movie. Just... Guys, there was a time when we thought David Bowie was going to be a movie star, yeah. and they tried. You know, there was a couple of films with Mick Jagger, Tina Turner, Michael Jackson, and Diana Ross in the Madonna Wiz. Madonna came yeah. out like, of that when yeah. she started. It was yeah, like, yeah. what is happening? Why is Madonna in this movie now? She actually succeeded, where most of them <laughs> didn't. She had above average success. Mm-hmm. She had. Um, Desperately Seeking Susan, mm-hmm. and a nice little supporting role in League yeah. of Their Own. Everything else tanked. All right, well, back at the movies, the one thing I did want to comment on was the different angles that we get of the, the movie, or the movie, the different angles we get of the tower, mm-hmm. and how, once again, you see that the usable part of the tower <laughs> is like just nothing. this little itty bit up at the very, very, very top. First, you have... You know, the downside with the long spike going up and the little tentrils going up to it. And you've got the three large, three large trefoils. And is that it? Nope. In that, you've got this flower coming up. And is is that it? Nope. Inside that flower is another little rosebud kind of thing. And that's where all this business actually happens. <laughs> oh, man. It, the problem with being an adult and watching this now is that it makes me think of, like, every sci-fi movie Ever. Like, I feel like the van from Spaceballs could land on this tower and it would fit right in. Yeah. 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 And you could definitely have the army, the winged army from Flash Gordon could land there. <laughs> yes, definitely. It's still gorgeous. I'm just saying it doesn't have quite the same impact as it did when I was a little kid. And it was like the first time I'd seen anything like that. <laughs> definitely. Well, and you also have to realize that this often probably influence a lot of those things that you think of. Right. It, it's weird when 
you you think of things out of order as like, oh, this is just ripping off of ABC. It's like, no, this is actually what ABC ripped off from. Right. And if you, you know, it's it's not easy to do, but if you try to remember it from that perspective, it's like, oh, this actually, this is actually a lot fresher than I'm thinking of it because this is from whence a lot of those great things came. Oh, I'm I'm so glad that I'm a child of the 80s. <laughs> oh, poor kids we got these the, days. <laughs> we got the best stuff. <laughs> well, in a lot of ways, yes. But on the other hand, uh, I would have killed growing up that there it was actually to live in a world where there would actually be a Captain America movie that, this that is wasn't true. terrible. <laughs> but at least you get it in your lifetime. Yeah. All right. Well, Brad, it's been absolutely fantastic having you this week. You've been a pleasure. Uh, well, this has been fantastic. Um, it, Thomas was uh, a fantastic guest on Minute of Darkness, <laughs> and uh, Tierney is one of our favorite uh, recurring panelists for uh, Cosmic Geppetto podcast. And, sure, I'll be uh, on there complaining about Hugh Hefner soon. <laughs> <laughs> and his complicated I, relationship yeah. to pop culture. I, I was actually thinking about that, but... Uh, I, I I don't know. I feel like it's it, been it's, said. Like it it has been said. Uh, eventually, I want to. And we talked about this briefly. I I do want to get you on back on and have just a little bit of a discussion. Perhaps like pull together a small panel to talk about Joss Whedon because yeah, in a very different way. There's similar things with Whedon where a lot of good, but also mixed with a lot of stuff that makes people uncomfortable with Whedon. Mm-hmm. Yes. And uh, Tierney, we've had some brief conversations where you sort of express your frustrations with some of the less savory parts of um, his output and <sighs> his demeanor. Well, and it's so frustrating because when we were talking about Wonder Woman, you said like, oh, you know, you know, Whedon's going to do a background. I was like, oh, this could be amazing. And that's still my go-to response of like, oh, Whedon's got this crazy superhero-y female empowerment franchise. Yeah, let's see it. So I I am totally on that spread where it's like, I can condemn some of this, but it doesn't change the fact that I love this artwork that he's created. Yes, I, so I, I'm fully on that. It's a myself. whole thing. And actually, I'm part of um the Facebook group for Buffering the Vampire Slayer, which is doing Buffy one episode at a time. And I am going to give a shout out to them because they handled it really well of talking and being like, look, we're going to call out things when we see them. And and they do. I mean, some of the stuff in early Buffy, like Xander. Yes, Xander was horrible. <laughs> and they're, they're like, we're going to call it out. That is not going to change the fact that we love Buffy and here's what it means to us. And here's what it, you know, like, here's why it's important. And right. I think that's kind of what it falls down to. And I'm just so glad, like, we just get to escape into this little fantasy world of the never-ending story for a little bit. And I've gotten on my soapbox a little bit when it's, like, using he instead of they. And the fact that I don't think we've seen a girl talking. No, the math teacher was a girl. So we've seen yeah, a girl speak right. in this movie. But Yeah. It's a problem when you really get into someone, and Joss Whedon is a person where he's much more out there than most writers and directors, where you know a lot more about him, and he's become a little bit of a celebrity, which is not common for writers and directors. And unfortunately, there's... Have you guys heard the the milkshake duck thing that they talked about online? No. Mm -hmm. And it sort of walked through what happens to 
sort of the the flash in the pan celebrities it's like milkshake duck the world's going crazy for milkshake duck milkshake ducks in a an adorable drug that milks that drinks milkshakes and then later it's like turns out milkshake duck is racist <laughs> and that's sort of what happens with a lot of these flash in the pans especially with the the internet celebrities that aren't really celebrities like mm-hmm. what was it kenneth bone the guy who um <laughs> The, the adorable yeah. guy in the red sweater. You got to be an SNL skit. Come. Use portrayed. Yeah, you got to be an SNL sw- skit. And then it's unfortunately, it's like, then we did a little bit of digging and he was on some chat boards where he was a little creepy and a little weird and mm-hmm. a little pervy. And it's like, oh, we just can't have nice things. <laughs> and that's a little bit of what Joss Whedon where, okay, turns out he's not the best husband in the world. And the first draft of his Wonder Woman script was a little... Uh, yeah, not fantastic the way that it treated Diana, and unfortunately because the movie was never made and because there wasn't more than the one or two drafts, it never had a chance, you know, to get it, better. Again, you know, yeah, t- you know, Tierney and I have both written at, at, at certain levels, and <laughs> they're I know bad. Uh, <laughs> they're so bad. <laughs> the first yeah, draft is I, always terrible. <laughs> And if you're lucky, it's just bad. It's like, oh, that's sort of clunky writing. And sometimes it's bad. It's like, oh, I can't believe I let my character say that. Mm-hmm. Or I allow that plot line to go forward. And that's why it's important to have people read your stuff and sort of critique it. And uh, with me, it was real important to have uh, some amazing women that uh, I've been, I really trust their opinions. Turn to me, it's like, you need to change that because it's going to make me want to punch you in the face. <laughs> Well, Brad, why don't you give everybody one last chance to know where they can find you? Go to uh, CosmicGeppetto.com. That is the home of the Cosmic Geppetto podcast. Uh, subscribe to us on uh, Apple Podcast. And uh, minute, it's a pop culture show. It's on once a week. And uh, Minute of Darkness, where we talk about the movie Army of Darkness, Minute by Minute. Um, it's, it's, it's out there on iTunes. You should download every single episode. <laughs> uh, we, we have wrapped it up. It was a fantastic show. A lot of fun stuff. Um, Ryan, who was on, uh, he was one of your guests before he was my co-host. He's amazing. And, uh, also a lot of great guests. Uh, my Jarf, my co-creator of the Cosmic Chippewa podcast was really fun. He was on that weekly. Um, Jarf and Ryan's tales. wife, Katie, uh, did a Katie's question. I believe you had her do a Katie's question when she was on this show. <laughs> yeah, we kind of we kind of snuck that in there since uh, Ryan was with us. Thought we'd uh, see how that went. And she wasn't quite prepared for it, but she did give us a good question. <laughs> so, guys, I just got to say again, thank you so much for having me on. Uh, we certainly have gone all over the place. <laughs> sorry about that. This was this was an episode where there wasn't a whole lot to talk about this minute, so we just went all over the place. Fan- Luckily, Fantasia encompasses all imagination, so it all fits in somewhere. Yeah. Nice. It counts. It counts. <laughs> all right. Well, if you're looking for us, check out Twitter at Nevenmin. That's N-E-V-E-N-D-M-I-N. If you're looking for me, I'm at the Wookie Lives on Twitter and Instagram. Yeah, and also on Twitter and Instagram, I'm one steel sister, O-N-E-S-T-E-L-E-S-I-S-T-E-R. And I'm constantly retweeting or responding to or interacting with the various pop culture podcasts that I listen to. So you can find out about still buffering and buffering the Vampire Slayer, which are about two totally different things, even though they have very (laughs) similar names. Uh, And you'll also see me liking and retweeting things both from this podcast and from the other Movies by Minute podcast, I do return to Oz Minute. 
Don't forget to check out the Listener Society at Neverending Minute Ivory Tower on Facebook. Don't forget to like our page at Neverending Minute on Facebook. And please, please, please send in your reviews to be read and any comments you want to be read. You can message us on Facebook or any of the Twitter handles that we've given. And we'll read that stuff out during our credits week. Thanks for listening, guys. And we have some fantastic stuff coming next week. (laughs) But that's that's another another story. story that shall be told another time. Wow, something is really different. I'm a growler.